Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. We are in the middle of a series called Cancel Culture. It wasn't until I was watching Pastor Matt last week. He did a, did a great job, by the way. It hadn't really clicked with me because I, I know cancel culture, you know, it's, it's a thing. But it, like when he was talking, I'm like, oh, oh, that could be a little bit loaded. That could kind of be a hot thing. Because in today's society, it's like, I don't agree with you, so I'm just canceling you. Like, horns down, canceled. You know what I'm saying? And it, I know that that could be a little bit tense. Let me be clear, that is not us. Like, we're not cutting people out of life and so on and so forth. What this series is about is there are some things in my life, and there are some things in your life that we need to cancel. We need to, to get them out. The things we're talking about cancel are the things that need to go. At least in my life, a lot of them need to be dealt with. And this, this series kind of stretches me a little bit because I'm like the, the church term is, I'm more of an expository preacher. I like to take a passage or a book and just kind of preach through that and let the text tell the story. But this is more kind of topical. So here's, here's a perfect case in point. We just came out of a series on Elijah called Went Out of the Cave. We spent five weeks in one chapter of the Bible just kind of grinding and churning on that as to with this week, it, it's going to be something different. And, and so it's challenged, but I also feel like it's something very necessary with where we are. And so um, I'm a data, pattern, rhythm kind of guy. Like I think, I think we can learn from numbers and statistics and stuff like that. Like, oh, so, so what's the busiest day of the month for, for your salon or for your business? Or, you know, what week of the, the, of the what day of the week is, is busiest for you guys? Or what's the best time of the year to try to do this, this thing? You know, patterns rhythms, statistics. If we'll pay attention to that, I think it can tell us something. I think there's a lot to learn. I, I, in my life, I have learned that from the second week of September to about the second week of October, if you have a child and they are in high school marching band, that is peak season to lose your ever-loving mind. You know what I'm saying? Like they have late practice on Tuesday night and then may have a competition on Thursday, football game on Friday night, and then they have contests on Saturday, and then you repeat for about three weeks in a row. My daughter got back to the school this morning at 12.45 a.m. I'm running on three hours of sleep. Like, I may fall asleep in the middle of the sermon. I mean, it could go that way, okay? So our band, our kids go to Uluga, and they every year they do a, a shirt that goes along with the marching band theme. And so this morning, I even sent a picture to the band directors. and like, hey, I'm repping the brand. They probably thought I misspelled band. But anyway, I, I got, like our show this year is called Postcards from Spain. And, and so the, it's actually a pretty legit shirt and so on and so forth. So they have this shirt. And so every year when the band does a thing, you have to have the shirt. So whether they're at a competition or a football game on Friday night or whatever, you have to have the shirt. This band shirt has to be worn for all band events. So Landon's first year, five years ago when he was when he was a freshman, no one bothered to mention you can buy more than one shirt. Like I didn't even know that that was a need. I'm just like, cool. He gets a shirt. I ordered me a shirt. 
It was awesome. I'm excited for the shirt. He's excited to be in high school marching band. Let's go. I have never in all my life hated a piece of clothing as much as I hated that stupid band shirt. You know what I'm saying? Because if he had competition on Thursday and then had to wear it to Friday night football game, but then had competition again on Saturday, I'm up at 2 o'clock in the morning moving the band shirt from the washer to the dryer, hoping that the dryer doesn't stop in the middle of the night. So when we get up, we have a dry band shirt. Come on, somebody. Help me, Jesus. And the greatest joy in life is when you lose the band shirt and you have a child that's a freshman in band and they think they're going to get kicked out of the band for not wearing the official band shirt to the band event, right? So from the second week of September to about the third week of October, when Landon was a freshman, we have no idea how Kaylee even ate. I don't even know. She survived. She's still alive. I don't know, but apparently, I mean, it's just crazy. So his sophomore year, I asked, can you buy more than one shirt? I did. We bought him another shirt. We all have these rhythms of seasons, and and sometimes they're kind of high stress. And I'm as guilty as the next guy. Matter of fact, I'm glad you're here today. This message really is for me. I'm preaching to an audience of one today because I'm just as guilty, if not more guilty, to be busy and loaded and stressful and say this, it's just a season. You know what I'm saying? But if your season does not have an ending date, then it's not a season. Like if I can't say, okay, until January 1, when I'm done being the leader of this, until January 1, when I'm done with the assignment of that, or October 21st, when Band marching competition season is over. If you cannot put a calendar on the date that changes the stress level of your life, it's not a season, it's a lifestyle. And I can do that with the best of them. And so today, I want to talk about canceling stress out of our lives. You guys with me this morning? Because I think the stress of our lives today is part of the cultural negativity. I think it's part of the cultural divisiveness in our society. Like, it just feels like we are wound up like a Tasmanian bottle rock. And then something goes a little bit wrong in the parking lot at Walmart and it winds up on the six o'clock news or gone viral on the YouTubes, you know? It's just too much. It's just too much. And we have a lot of great opportunities. We have a lot of variety. But do you remember when, and this is for those of us that are more seasoned or or more mature in the room, young people, I mean old, right? Do you remember like when you would go to another friend's house and that friend's mom would make a casserole and it would show up in this dish? Anybody remember that dish? Oh yeah, some of y'all had that dish, you know what I'm saying? Like you go to Walmart now and you go get casserole dishes, there's hundreds to choose from. Like Walmart has different ones than Target and Target has different ones than whatever other store you shop at. Or, or this was a thing. How about Smurf cups? Anybody have Smurf cups? I had Smurf cups. My dad thought Smurf cups were gonna be worth something. We got a whole box in the shop. My dad was wrong. You know what I'm saying? They're not worth anything. Sell them on Pinterest or whatever, all right? So here's the deal. My dad loved airplanes. He was a pilot. No, I've talked to him about that. But here's another fun fact about my dad. He would be, if he's still alive, he'd be... 72, I think. And so we could be driving down the road when I was a kid. And some of you, maybe you could do this or, or, or your dad could do that. And, and he could tell you, especially if it was an older car, he could tell you 
what kind of car, like who made it, and what year that car was. You know what I'm saying? Because then car companies only made one car. Like, oh, that's a 52 Ford. I'm like, how do you know that? You know, today, Ford makes 37 cars, but back then, Ford only made one car. And they might have made one pickup. I don't want to go back to those days, although the Smurf glasses are pretty cool. But life was a lot simpler. We do. We have a lot of options. We have a lot of variety today. But when it comes to life and schedule, sometimes too much variety is just too much. And all of that can turn into stress. Anybody relating to where I'm at this morning? So I want to start in Proverbs, but we're going to hit several different passages as, as we, we kind of look at this. Proverbs 29, verse 18. It's probably one of the more famous proverb verses. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So I'm, I'm going I'm to borrow from another version and kind of put these two together. So the NIV says where there's no revelation, like God revealing himself, God giving guidance. People cast off restraint. They just kind of go do whatever they want to, say yes to everything. But then he says this, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So where there is no vision, people perish, but you'd be really, really smart to get some wisdom and listen to it. Amen, everybody? That's what I want to do. I'm not going to solve any problems for an instant fix today when it comes to stress, but I want some wisdom. I want to, I want to be able to put one foot in front of the other, maybe come up with a solution. You as a person or you as a family, we can walk out of this crazy, stressful season of our life. If we're going to cancel stress, number one, you have to have a vision. Where there is no vision, where there's no direct word from God, where there's no revelation, we own the struggle bus. We over here, and then we're over there. Without a vision, people perish. And I would say step one to eliminating some of the stress in our life is to have a God-given and God-guided vision for your life. Our life can be full, and it can be filling, but many, many, many times our life is just full, and it's full of the wrong stuff. The greatest enemy of great is good. I can have so many good things going that I never get to the great things that God has for us. So what's the vision for your family? What do you, what do you, want, what do you want your family to look like? Where, where, where are we going? What are we doing? Jerry and I have always had a couple of things couple of guiding principles that we wanted for our family. And, and we didn't have it the day Landon was born. Like, okay, baby, I've got four principles. It it's just evolving as we grew and as we read and we listened to pastors and sermons and teaching. And so just some of these principles that were for us, you may have different ones for you, but, but we want our kids to love God. We want our kids to love us. And we want our kids to love each other someday. You know what I'm saying? So... We really do our best to kind of resolve conflict and have peace in the home. Not always good at this. I can go off like a Tasmanian bottle rocket. Let's take that out of the podcast. I don't need to get out. You know what I'm saying? That just needs between us here. We've done our best to teach our children to submit, to forgive. I don't always have to have my way. For a long time, our kids, when they were little, like, Daddy, can I have a puppy? Nope. Why, Daddy? And then I would ask them. And to this day, they can recite this question verbatim with a snarl look on their face. 
I would ask them, what's my purpose? To make me miserable. <laughs> Say it again. To make me miserable. Right? Now, if you've been around my children, my children are not miserable. Matter of fact, next week, we're going to preach on canceling spoiled kids. You know what I'm saying? Come on, I'm just kidding. But we want to ingrain in our children. You don't always have to have your way. Eyes right here. No looking around the room. No elbowing anybody in this moment. But you know what it's like to be with someone that's never been told no. They're not fun to go on road trips with. It is not fun to be with somebody that has everything has always been told. Yes, yes, yes. They're, eyes here. Here. Don't look at your spouse. They are not fun adults. We know that, right? We want our kids to love God. We want our kids to love us. We want our kids to love each other. So you got to learn how to forgive and resolve some conflict. I keep telling them, you get older, we're going to take you and your kids and we're going to go on some really fun vacations. Daddy's going to make up for all that other stuff. But your spouses better like each other. It's mandatory, okay? We want our family to be generous. We've always engaged our kids. We've always talked with our kids about the generosity of our life, that we are a give-first family. I used to do my own taxes. It used to be pretty easy. Not anymore. And I would pull out that contribution sheet, and I would say, hey, kids, come here. I want you to look at it. You did that. As a family, we did this. And over the course of faithful, consistent, planned regular giving, and you do that for 12 months, that's a pretty cool number that you can be proud of and your kids can be proud of. And my kids will always be like, oh, dang, we could go on a cool vacation for that. Hey, we will go on a cool vacation. But we're going to be generous first. We're going to be a give-first family. It was part of the vision that we had for our family. We want longevity. One out of ten. One out of ten guys that go into ministry today actually retire from ministry. So I'm running a marathon. I'm not running a sprint. If I set out to run a sprint at 47, BK down. Ain't making it. You know what I'm saying? So longevity, finishing the calling that God has on my life, that is part of our family vision. And here's the deal. If you're going to solve some of the stress issues in your life, you're going to have to know where you're going you got to have a vision because some of the stuff that's there that makes it full might need to go. But if I don't have a vision and I don't have clarity, I don't know what to cancel. So I've got to have a vision for real life. There's three things that I think your vision, whatever they feel like, look like, smell like, there's three things I think they need to have. The first one is our vision needs faith, okay? If faith is present but it's not the priority, it won't even be present in the next generation. If you want our kids to get married and have babies and grow up and give you grandkids, and you want our kids to take those grandkids to church, you got to take your kids to church. You don't raise go-to-church kids by being a stay-at-home family. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that. But I'm trying to lock some wisdom into your life because stress and life gets busy and our vision, the things we're going to talk about and discuss, I need to have faith at the forefront of the vision for our family and for our life. Now, let me pause. There are legitimately some COVID concerns. There are some people that it ain't time yet. 
Maybe you don't have an immune system, or maybe you know, you're more in one of those vulnerable cases. We understand that. We love you, praying for you. Can't wait till we get to see you again. But for far too many, and I'm not talking about those situations, I'm saying for far too many, COVID has given us such an easy excuse to move faith down the priority list. You can still be safe and have an active faith, but have we? The church as a whole has declined by 40% over the last eight years. We need a vision for our faith. We need a vision for our family. Where's all my, where's all my iPhone users? Like, where are y'all at? Y'all proud? Like, I send blue text. You know what I'm saying? They're like, hey. All right, where's all the financially smart people that are Android users? You're like, hey, what's up? So I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not a proud iPhone user, but I got the one that's... And so it's kind of funny that um, it's bad when your cell phone will pop up a notification that says, um, hey, you probably need to turn me off for a while. You've been on this thing way too much. Hey, you spent a little too much time on your phone, right? And so this, this, is, this is what happened. It's easy to just kind of mindlessly thumb through. And the next thing you know, that mindlessly thumbing turns into a habit. So I'm spending time with Facebook instead of face-to-face time with them. We're sitting at the dinner table. You know, all four got our phones out and was like, hey, will you pass me the salt? You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not even talking anymore. And so we need to have some no phone zones in our life. We need to have a vision for our family. Who are we going to be? How are we going to act? How are we going to behave? We need to communicate that to our kids and ingrain that into our kids. We want to love God. We want to love each other. Love your mom and dad. It's really important. We need a vision for our finances. I don't want to be in debt my whole life. <laughs> Just saying. I want to be a generous person. You know, the Bible says without a vision, people perish. You ever get tired of feeling like your finances just perish? If you don't have a vision for your finances, MasterCard will. If you don't have a vision for your finances, your dentist will. Or whatever else that's out there pulling on us, you need to have a vision for your finances. So, number one, I'm going to eliminate some stress. I need to have a vision. Then Luke chapter 14, verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. These are red letters. Are you guys still with me this morning? All right. Jesus said, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it. So first, I need a vision. Secondly, I need to have a plan. And far too many people get stressed out and don't have a plan for shutting some of it down, don't have a plan for getting our stress manageable. So this is what we do. Send an email out to everybody. I quit life. You know, like you resign from everything and every club that you're part of and every organization. You pull your kids out of this and pull your kids out of that. We didn't have a plan. We just cancel our lives. There are things we need to quit, but we need to do it with a plan. I don't want to look like a squirrel. I want to make sure that I'm honoring the commitments that I've said. I would let my yes be yes and my no be no. And so I need to have a plan. And if you're stressed, the plan will not bring immediate relief. Like it doesn't fix it tomorrow morning. But what the plan does is it brings immediate hope that there's an end in sight. And the plan will start the process of solving the problem. 
So my plan needs to have a couple things. And my vision's going to have a few things. My plan needs to have a couple things. Number one, my plan needs some boundaries. I need some boundaries. Boundaries are probably the biggest thing that will help us eliminate some stress. 18 years ago, when I applied for the job here as the youth pastor of what was then Cornerstone Church, and yes, I was 12 when I applied, okay, my wife was great with child. She was, she was pregnant with Landon, and her fear was well-founded. She knows me, knows me well. The BK don't do anything 100%. He's got to be 120, going for third gear, looking for 140% because I'm all in, baby. And this was her fear is that she would be a single mom with a baby at home, and I would just live at the church. So we had to have a plan. And borrowed this from what used to be Ridgeway Church, now it's Foundation Church, the pastor down there, been a friend of mine for a long time. And borrowed this, that, that we set up, okay, we're going to have a three-night rule. That three nights a week, I'll do church stuff. So there'd be Wednesday night youth activities and Sunday night youth stuff, or, or maybe Friday night be at a game or, or whatever. But four nights a week, so if you take three is four, make seven. So three nights a week, I'll do church stuff. But four nights a week, I'm going to do my dead level best to be home and be present and be a dad. I didn't want to put my baby up on the sacrificial altar so I could go out and, and do the ministry. Ministry is important. It has its time, place, and everything. But I had to set some boundaries. Can I tell you, there were some people that did not like my boundaries. And there's going to be people that don't like your boundaries that you set in your life. And some of the boundaries need to be with people. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay. If we don't set boundaries, someone else will set them for us. I don't have a plan, money, for calendar, for schedule. Somebody else will plan it for me. So my, my plan needs to have some boundaries. And then my plan needs to have rest in it. My plan needs just some calendar, scheduled rest. It is okay to go on vacation. It is okay to take a day off to rest. I mean, if it was cool enough for God to do it, I think we'd be wise to do it. If it's cool enough for God to put it in his top 10 suggestions, all the Ten Commandments, I think you and I would be smart that we plan, we put it in our calendar, our rest. My mentor Paul Taylor says we need to work and we need to work hard. We need to rest and do it weekly. And then there's times we need to retreat. We need to have a plan for when we get to shut it down and rest. My plan needs some extra stra exit strategies. I don't want you to be that person that quits everything and sends the email like, wow, we quit everything. Learn your rhythm. Learn that from the second week of September to the third week of October. Pretty crazy around the Kellogg house. We know that going in. So I intentionally, right in the middle of that, I plan a weekend off for my wife, for myself, so we can just unplug. She needs that. I need that. Finish your commitments as best you can. Don't take on new ones. If you can recognize that it's just a season, and if it has that ending date, when you get to that ending date, things will get better. But have a plan. Have an exit strategy for looking at your life and going, okay, well, this will be over in two weeks, and this will be over in two months. you got to have a plan for getting out of the things that you need to get out of. Jesus said, if you're going to build something, you need a plan. You need to count the cost. Do we count the cost of saying yes to the things in our life? Or do we just say yes? Because to love the people that ask us, or it kind of sounds fun, right? So we have a full life, it's just not filling. Am I helping anybody this morning?
Is this, is this talking to anybody? Because first service, they were like, oh my Lord, I got saved, you changed my life. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just busy right now. And we got a lot of stress going on. So my plan, I need to have some exit strategies, but I need to do that as smart and best as I can. Yes, there are some things I need to go, hey, this season is over, I love you, but I need to step away from this. And there's a right way to do that. Don't just go resign from life because it got too heavy. Have a plan, have an exit strategy. My plan needs some reward. You need to do some things intentionally to reward your soul, reward yourself. This is my favorite part of today's message. You know what I'm saying? I um, feel like you're going to judge me a little bit right now. Okay. I didn't manage my summer very well. Some vacations and some travel, and I kind of got knocked out of rhythm and ate too much chocolate cake. You know what I'm saying? And so I just didn't. And I just I swelled up like an overfed lap dog. You know what I'm saying? I didn't feel good. My clothes didn't fit. And Pastor Bill McKinney that was here this summer and, and spoke, good friend of mine, he did the same thing. Like, they just vacation. And, man, we just, you know, get out of rhythm. And next thing you know, we just, we just I just didn't like the way I felt. I'd climb stairs and be like, oh, God, I'm going to die. You know, and so I needed, I, needed, I, needed, I needed a plan to fix that. So Pastor Phil hit me up, and he's like, hey, I got a couple other pastor buddies. We're going to do this thing. And so everybody's putting money in. And whoever can lose the most weight at the end of five weeks or hit your goal first or I forget what all the rules are, he had me up money. You know what I'm saying? He said, so we're going to do this. It's five bucks a week to enter and then such and such if you call foul and all that. And I'm like, I'm in. In 10 days, I've lost 10 pounds. It has not been any fun. But there's money involved. I'm going in. You know what I'm saying? Friday. and One of my hobbies, one of the things that's, for my, full, for my soul, for fun, is I just love high school football. And so I get to do play-by-play play, um, for got High School, where my, my kids go to school. And so we had an away game. We were going to Miami. And to get from Uluga to Miami, we opted to pass through Vanita. And in Vanita, there's this little place called Clanton. Has anybody in this house ever experienced some clans? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Have mercy. Oh, it was good. And, and I lost 10 pounds but I needed to reward myself. And it was blackberry cobbler with ice cream. And I ate so much when I got back to suburban, I had drool coming in my mouth and I was in a sugar coma going, oh God, it was good. You know what I'm saying? You, you gotta reward yourself. And you gotta plan to reward yourself. If you exercise, then you gotta have a cheat day. I'm saying if you work, 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 you gotta be working for, hey, let, let's, let's plan a trip. And when we meet this goal, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna take a trip. You, you got to reward yourself. Even Jesus sat around the circle and did nothing with his buddies but sat around the campfire and talked about life. Your plan has to include some reward in it. I told you he was going to like that point. That's my favorite one, right? So I need to have a vision. I need to have a plan. Then number three, I need to have grace. And here's why. Because for some of you today, point number one and, and point number two I just added more stress to your life, and that was not my intent in any way, shape, or form. Oh, great. Now our family needs to have a cutesy little vision for our family. I don't have one. Like, we don't even like each other right now. My kids are driving me crazy. My vision is for my kids to move out. That's my vision. Can that be my vision? And so I just added a little pressure by saying, oh, we need to have a God-given vision, right? Or plan. Who has time to even sit down and have a plan? Great. And so now it feels like point one and point two, 
are just adding to your stress. And that's not what I'm after in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So you have to have some grace. But this is big. This might even be as big as Texas A&M beating Alabama last night kind of big. You know what I'm saying? This is big. I want you to listen to it. I know I had you at Clanton. But this is big. You have to give grace, but not live in grace. What? Listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about salvation. Because boy, would the mean tweets start. That preacher's preaching crazy doctrine up at that church. Listen, I'm not talking about Jesus right now. I'm talking about having a plan, having a vision. I'm talking about eliminating stress in your life. We'll get to Jesus and grace here in just a second. I'm not, you, you, you have to give grace, but I don't want to live in grace. And I, and I thank God for his amazing grace. God's grace is greater than all my sins. Somebody said amen. But you ain't God. I ain't God. And I don't have the measure of grace that God has. His grace is bountiful. My grace is bound to run out somewhere. We all love our kids. Most of us love our kids, right? Okay. And there's a time to be graceful. This season for Kaylee, she's a freshman in high school doing marching band for the first time. There is a lot of grace. I do not go in that child's bedroom. I don't. If I do, I have a hazmat suit on. It's just a thing, right? Hurry thing, jumping in the corner. I don't even know, girl, right? Okay. There's grace here. But when marching band's over, the grace is going to be left. I'm cleaning it up. You know what I'm saying? I got to give grace, but I can't live in grace because if I just live in grace, I'll never accomplish the great that God has set me out to do. If you play the grace card every day, you're going to be eating too much blackberry cobbler from Clinton's. And then you're going to puff up again like that overfed lap dog. I need grace but I also can't live in it if I'm going to accomplish something. Does that make sense? Okay, now, now let's even talk spiritually. Everybody say, I love BK. See, first service didn't do this. I think I made a mess. Even spiritually. I am so grateful for the undeserved grace of God that his mercies are new every morning that I don't deserve. Amen, everybody? But the point of grace is to help me get better. And I want to get to this. That I don't have to spend the first 37 minutes of my prayer time asking God to forgive me for all the kicking the kids and cussing the dogs or something like that. It gets all wound up in there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? The point of grace, it's so beautiful and so undeserved and so merciful from God, but the point of grace is to help me get better so I can receive God's grace. But in that, man, I want to get better. I want to spiritually grow. I don't always want to be fighting and struggling with those sin and temptation. I want it to be that the enemy goes, oh, don't mess with that one. That brother knows how to throw hands, <laughs> you know? Number four, we got to have faith. I have faith. The Bible is full of this idea that says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. It doesn't say it that way exactly in the Old Testament, but it's still the same concept of seek first the kingdom of God. You, you, I've even done it here. You, you, you've probably seen this or heard this illustration 
college professor one day came in with a big glass jar where you could see through it, and he had these big rocks. And so he put all these big rocks down in this glass jar, and, and like the glass jar was full of big rocks. And he asked the students in the class, he says, is the jar full? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So he gets out sand, and he starts to pour sand, and it just kind of fits in all the way in and around the, the big rocks. And so now, and then, and then he goes, is the jar full now? Yeah. And he gets out water. And he pours water in, and it holds water, and it holds water, and it holds water, and fills up. And finally, now the jar is overflowed. Seek first the kingdom of God says, put the big stones in our life first. And then all these things will be added. Faith, my relationship with Jesus. Listen, he just has a way of calming a lot of our stress and worry and anxiety. But can I be real for just, just one second? It really don't make any sense. Like if I'm busy and I wake up on Tuesday, because that's go day for me. And if I wake up on Tuesday, I got a lot to do and I already feel like I'm behind in every area. So practically, I need to get up a little early and just get at it and let's go. We're slinging waffles, we're throwing kids in the car, you know, we're throwing shoes at the dogs. I mean, let's just go. But Spiritually, I need to put a big rock in my jar first. I need to start my day with Jesus. Wake up, my mind racing and all those things I have to do. But if I can find some time to just sit down and feed my faith, if I can just sit down and let God's word feed me, if I can just sit down and let God's word speak to me, if I can just sit down and let God encourage my soul before I get to the crazy, then spend a little bit of time in prayer. When I get up from that place, baby, I can tell you, I still got a full day, but I just, I get up with a calm that says, I'm ready and God's got you. How many of you want God to got you? And now I have a heavenly perspective to face my earthly problems. Seek first the kingdom of God in everything. Vision, plan, Schedule, finances. It may not immediately ease the stress, but it will immediately give you some hope. And that's what we need. We need hope. It's just a season. We need hope. For me, in nine days, marching band season competition is over. Thank God. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. And And here's the deal. He will give you the faith to get you through the crazy. Do you have that? Do you have that kind of relationship, that intimate relationship with Jesus? Here's the deal. I know we talk a lot about salvation. I know we talk about forgiveness and sin. Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood was laid buried in a tomb for three days. He overcame the power of death, hell, and sin when he was resurrected. Jesus died on the cross that I could be forgiven. He also died on the cross that I could live. My question is, do you have that relationship with Jesus? Because there's some of you in here that, that maybe once upon a time, Maybe grandma made you go to vacation Bible school or mom and daddy kind of 
raised you in church and it was kind of a priority for a while, but she didn't. And, and you walked away. You said yes to all the crazy stuff. Your life, your crazy schedule took you out of the ballgame. Or maybe you never have. Maybe you've never known that intimate relationship with Jesus. But when you hear me talking about sitting there and reading the Word of God and praying and standing up and just having a peace and a calm, you want that. And I'm telling you that a life-giving relationship with Jesus will feed you and energize you and empower you to do that all this life throws at you. Do you have that kind of faith? Because if you don't, don't miss this moment. Here it is. Here's the gospel, plain and simple. We have all, all of us, fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have made mistakes. And the penalty, the consequence of that sin, the wage of that sin is death. Both in this physical life, we all have an expiration date, but in the life to come, because there's more to come. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And it all depends on what you did with moments like this where Jesus was knocking on your heart's door. And he was inviting you to come into that life-giving, that forgiving relationship with him in moments just like this. And there it is. It's simple. God never intended for salvation to be complicated. That if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved. You ever done that? Here's the legion of prayer. Nothing magical. It's not a chant. Like, what if I get the words wrong? Listen, listen, here's the thing about the prayer. It's the best way I know how to confess and believe. And just right there where you're at, maybe watching online, I just want to lead you in this prayer where we completely surrender our whole heart to Jesus. Are you ready? If you need that today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to walk the aisle. I'm not going to ask you to talk to anybody. I just right there at your seat, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of complete surrender to Jesus where we ask him to be the Lord of our lives. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you hear that knocking on the inside, Pray this prayer. Say, dear Heavenly Father, right there at your seat, just say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. Wash your knee, Jesus. Made a lot of mistakes in my life. I don't want that anymore. Would you come into my life? Begin to change me? You make me a new person. I may not understand all this, but I'm taking a step of faith. Today, Jesus, I completely surrender. I hold on. Be real still. Nobody moving around. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't talk to anybody walking out. Just... I want you to lift up your hand real high. Anybody here? Okay, few. All right, few. Anybody else? Come on, lift it high. I want to see. Spirit of the Living God, all fresh upon us today. Lord, for those hands and those hearts, something in them is responding to the Holy Spirit. Something in them, Father, is answering the call. Lord, let faith come alive. Let the Holy Spirit just come alive. Surround them, Father. Help them. Connect with other Christians. Help them to take that next step. God, we want that life-changing, life-giving faith to come alive on our life, to help us in our stress and 
Help us in our finances, God, just to guide us and lead us. Lord, I love, love being a part of a church. We're dead set on a mission for people to know God. Find freedom in this life. Father, we know you have a vision for us. We know you have a purpose. When we get there, Lord, we, we want to live together as a church to make a difference. In the beautiful, matchless name of Jesus, Hill Spring, dig deep. Give God the biggest praise you got this morning. Come on, somebody give God some thanks. That never gets old. Woo! I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.